Let's pray. Father, you know um, all the reasons why sometimes our minds and our hearts can be scattered in a hundred different directions. And Father, we want to pray as we come as your people to your word this morning. We want to pray that you would gather us around your word, that you would gather our minds and our hearts to come and be still before you, to come and pay attention and be really alert and leaning in to listen to the things that you want to say to us. Father, help us in these moments not to be distracted. Father, as we read words that come that were written hundreds of years ago, our prayer is that we would hear the voice of the living God um, speaking to where we're living right now. Father, help us as your people to be listening for your voice this morning. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, we're going we're gonna to start here. Um, we're not starting at the beginning of the book of Isaiah, but we're, this morning is a little bit of an introduction. Um, we're going to start with this phrase, a very famous phrase from Isaiah 52. Um, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Uh, I wonder how those words land with you this morning. I wonder how that phrase strikes you. Um, I wonder whenever you hear it, what kind of image it brings to mind. Um, I want to tell you maybe how I imagine it. There's a little flight of imagination maybe. Um, but I imagine someone working hard in a field in the valley, digging the ground, and they're feeling tired and their back is sore, and the sun is beating down, and they're a bit discouraged because the harvest is a little bit meager. And then something makes them lift their head, and they see in the distance a figure moving down the mountainside. And as the figure comes a little bit closer, they're shielding their eyes against the sun, they recognize that figure, and they know that it's a messenger bringing news. And then as the messenger comes a little bit closer and they can see the messenger's face, they know that they're bringing good news. I don't know what it is. It could be news of the end of a war or news that someone who's been sick has recovered or news that the person they love loves them back or I don't know. But they know this is good news that the person is bringing down the mountain. And suddenly they kind of forget the hot sun and they forget their sore back and they forget the poor harvest and their, their heart kind of leaps within them, and their heart sings, and their heart says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. That's kind of my little um, bit of imagination around what it might mean to look up on the mountain and see someone bringing glad news, good news to you. Um, maybe when I describe that scene this morning, maybe... You are the worker in the field this morning, feeling weary and feeling discouraged. And I guess I want to encourage you that the prophet Isaiah, as we listen to Isaiah together, can be for you the messenger on the mountain. 
uh, bring in good news, and you can respond to Isaiah by saying, how beautiful are the feet of those who, who bring good news. But also, I want to, I guess, say this, that many of your friends and many of your neighbours and many of your colleagues are like that worker in the field this morning. They are weary and they are discouraged and their head is down. And I want to try to encourage you this morning that you can be, for them, <laughs> the messenger on the mountain that makes their heart sing when they see you coming because you're carrying good news. So that's kind of my double purpose this morning. I want to try to persuade you, if your head is down, if you're a bit discouraged, that Isaiah can be that messenger on the mountain. I want to encourage you for your friends and colleagues and neighbours that you can be that messenger on the mountain. So let's think about this a little bit together. I want to, I guess, ask a very practical question, first of all. And this, this kind of returns to the theme we thought about a little bit last year, but it's been very much in my heart that we need to say it again as we come into a new year. Um, I wonder what kind of news you're going to surround yourself with this year. I've, just, I've been reflecting again going into a new year. Um, how, how many of us, how most of us, I think, uh, these days live inside what people call the 24-hour news cycle. And for many of us, it's the first thing we reach for when we get up in the morning. It's the last thing we check before we go to bed at night. Um, I wonder how many times in the average day you hear or check the news headlines. How often do you hear them on the radio? How often do you watch them on TV? How often do you check them on your phone or on your computer? Some people buy a, and still buy an old-fashioned newspaper every day and read it from cover to cover. How long does that take to do? And then as well as actually getting the news headlines, there's also all the discussion of the news and opinion about the news, whether you get that from the Nolan Show or Talkback or Twitter or social media in other places. Um, I wonder if you actually sat down and thought about it, how much of your day is surrounded by the news? We, we kind of marinate ourselves in the news. Um, and I find myself thinking again, of course, it's good to be aware and it's good to be informed and we don't want to be people who have no idea what's going on in our world. But I think the way we live now <laughs> goes way, way, way beyond staying informed. There's something going on that is deeply unhealthy. It's a compulsion and an addiction and it's making us sick. It makes us anxious. It makes us overwhelmed. It makes us agitated. And then what happens? We carry that anxiety and agitation to our neighbours. Our feet don't bring good news. They bring every other kind of news. But our feet are not bringing good news. And I, I guess I wanted to say it quite directly and bluntly. I think it's been multiplied and intensified a hundred times by COVID. And I think we as God's people need to think a little bit about how to rebel against that 24-hour saturation. Um, I'm going to risk saying this, and you can reflect on it. There are people, as I go about my life, there are people you see coming. You know, you're, you're going about your life and you see someone coming, and your heart kind of sinks 
because you know exactly what kind of news they're bringing. And it may be that they're bringing worry and anxiety and fear about the virus and it's just constant worry, worry, worry. Or it may be that they're bringing complaint and anger and agitation about the government. And I've said it before, and I've, I'm feeling emboldened to say it again stronger, I'm not convinced either of those is better than the other, to be stewing in fear or to be stewing in agitation. But as God's people, we are meant to be carrying something different. So when our neighbours look up from their work and look up from their worries and they see us coming, their heart lifts because they're able to say, how beautiful in Mount Sandal are the feet of those who are bringing something different, who are bringing good news. And so I want to encourage us this morning. I think the prophet Isaiah can help us become those kind of people because this is a book that is overflowing with good news. Um, Some people have actually called Isaiah the fifth gospel uh, because it's a book that is just brimful of of good news. Um, And I think it follows beautifully from uh, what we were thinking about last term as we thought about the gospel and about the good news. But I want to kind of really practically challenge you this morning. You will need to make a choice because... If you live inside the news cycle uh, constantly and occasionally visit Isaiah, the news will dominate your mind and your heart. But if we can somehow flip that around and live inside the prophetic vision of Isaiah and occasionally, when it's appropriate, visit the news, then something will shift in your heart and mind. Something will change and your neighbors will notice the difference. Your neighbor's heart will notice the difference when they see you coming, that something has changed in the the atmosphere of your company and your conversation. And so this may sound impossible to you, but let me ask these questions. What if this month in January you spent more time listening to Isaiah than listening to the news? Is that doable? (laughs) What, What if you did that this month? What if you check Isaiah multiple times a day instead of checking Twitter. Imagine that. You go, just, just a wee minute, I need, I need to check. I need to check Isaiah for a wee minute. Get a wee update. Um, what if you began and ended your day with Isaiah? So it's the first thing you read when you wake and the last thing you read before you go to bed. What if you talked about Isaiah more than you talked about COVID or the government? Is that possible? I'm kind of throwing it out to you as a little practical challenge. And if you think that's impossible, come and tell me and let's talk about it. But I want to put those kind of what ifs in your mind. Um, What might change if you and I marinated ourselves in the vision of Isaiah rather than um, the 24-hour cycle of uh, worry and outrage? Um, So um, I've been wanting... Uh, to preach through Isaiah for ages. I've always been drawn to the book of Isaiah. I find it kind of glorious and breathtaking. Um, But I've always been a little bit intimidated and daunted. Um, For me, looking at the kind of landscape of the Bible, Isaiah is kind of like this big mountain that towers in the middle of the Bible. Um, And it's beautiful and it's breathtaking, but you can wonder, how do we begin to climb it? Because it's really long. You may have noticed if you've tried 
uh, to read through it. The themes repeat a lot, which is characteristic of the prophets, and that can be difficult uh, as we read. Um, and there's kind of a feeling that if we went chapter by chapter and verse by verse through Isaiah, I think it might kill us or we might struggle a little bit with that. So I've kind of been wondering for a long time, how do we uh, read this book together? Uh, but just before Christmas, I had what I hope was a little bit of a, a light bulb moment. Um, I, I was thinking about the fact that Isaiah, like the other prophets, is written as poetry. It's poetic. Um, and as a result, Isaiah is full of phrases which are powerful and beautiful. Uh, the one we read this morning is one of them. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. But you can think about there's loads of uh, phrases in Isaiah which have become really famous for good reason. The trees of the field will clap their hands. That's Isaiah. Um, the wolf will lie down with the lamb. That's Isaiah. Um, every valley shall be raised up. A new heaven and a new earth. These are all phrases that come from Isaiah. And so I find myself wondering, what if for a little while we take one phrase each week um, and reflect on it together? Um, that wouldn't be too intimidating to take a phrase every week and reflect on it um, together. And maybe those phrases could lead us into the book and lead us through the book. So between now and Easter, we're going to pick about 10 or 12 phrases scattered all through the book of Isaiah and just take one each week, right? That doesn't sound too daunting. Now, I do want to flag up. I think there are, there are two big dangers to this approach to the book of Isaiah, and maybe um, some of them are already jumping into your mind, but here are two big dangers. One danger is um, we could take these phrases out of context, so we could kind of rip these beautiful phrases out of the book and write them on the wall and memorize them, but... We can make them mean whatever we want them to mean because we've ripped them out of where they come in the book of Isaiah. Um, and so we need to remember a phrase needs to be understood in its sentence, which needs to be understood in its paragraph, which needs to be understood in the book that it's in. And within the context of the Bible, the book needs to be understood in the, in the big story of the Bible. So we don't want to just grab a phrase we like and take it to mean whatever we want it to mean. We want to read it in its context. So we're going to try and be aware of that danger. And we'll try and do a little bit of work each week to take the phrase and then look at where it sits in the flow of the book of Isaiah and then come back to the phrase to try to make sure that we've understood it right in the bigger picture. Right? So that, that's a, an important danger to guard against, that we don't rip things out of their context. Um, and the second related danger um, is that we will choose the most inspiring and uplifting bits and ignore the bits that are uncomfortable, right? So maybe the phrases that catch our eye in Isaiah are beautiful and uplifting and uh, inspiring, but there's also a lot of stuff in Isaiah that is challenging and uncomfortable. There's a lot of stuff in Isaiah about sin and about God's judgment and about God's anger. Uh, and so... We need to be aware of that danger as well. The, the uplifting, beautiful passages need to be understood side by side with those other more uncomfortable bits against that backdrop. And so 
we're going to do our best as we go through not to ignore the difficult things, but to, to think about those as we go as well. So I wanted to flag those up to say, I know there's a couple of dangers, but I also want to, maybe for the rest of our time, um, talk about why I'm really excited about this series and why I feel it might be just right for this moment in time. And there, there are two big dangers I've talked about, but there are two big reasons why I think this might be just right for us to think about at this moment. And the first one is this, that I think at the minute we need simplicity. Um, I don't know if your heart would agree with mine about that, but everything seems a bit complicated right now. And for many of us, our minds are tired of thinking and a bit overwhelmed by complexity. And so there's something about taking just the short phrase and focusing our scattered minds there that I think can be really life-giving and kind of grounding ourselves in something that is simple and true and resting our weary minds and hearts in that place, just coming to attention around a simple piece of truth. Um, now, obviously, I hope that many of you will have your curiosity sparked as we, do, as we look at these little bits of Isaiah. Um, I hope many of you will have your curiosity sparked and will want to dig a little deeper into Isaiah and read the whole book and study it, and we'll point you towards resources for those of you who want to dig a little bit deeper and read a little bit deeper, um, and so on. So I hope many of you will go on that kind of adventure. But I think there are also times when we need to go slow and just take a few words of Scripture um, and chew on them and meditate on them, as it talks about in Psalm 1. You know, it talks about the person who delights in God's Word and meditates on it day and night, and they become like a tree planted by streams of water. Um, and I think there's a time when we need to go slow with just a few words of Scripture and give them plenty of space in our minds and hearts and give them time to do their work in us. Um, and I think perhaps this is a time when we need that more than ever. So that's part of why I'm excited about just taking a phrase at a time and letting it have room uh, to, to do its work. Um, in our lives. Um, so that's one big reason. But the, the second one is this, is that I also think this is a time when we really need prophetic hope. Um, it seems like a time when many people are discouraged and it's easy for our heads to go down. And that perhaps what we really, really need is a message of hope, of genuine hope. Um, and you and I, maybe as Christians, we know that we're meant to be people of hope and we're meant to be carriers of hope. Um, it talks in Romans about being people who overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and I know we're meant to be those kind of people. But in our current cultural conditions and maybe our current life circumstances, that can be difficult. Um, and so I think um, we need the voice of the prophets to reignite hope. I think that's what the prophets do more than anything else, they, they lift us up on a mountain and they give us a different perspective uh, on our lives. Um, it's really important, I think, to say when we talk about prophetic hope, um, this biblical prophetic hope is not the same as optimism. Um, the optimist 
says things are not so bad. Just hang in there and things will get better. That's kind of the, the optimistic view. The prophets, as we'll see whenever we read Isaiah, often say things are worse than you, you think they are. Um, or things are going to get worse in a little while, right? So they're, they're not optimists. They're not kind of giving us that kind of naive, always look on the bright side of life kind of perspective. And yet, um, so, so the, the prophets are people who are, they're not in denial about the things that are wrong and broken in the world. They are honest and courageous in naming those things. They have their wi eyes wide open. They are realists in the way that they see the world. And yet, they speak these words of sometimes breathtaking hope, right? Somehow they are able to hold those two things together, to look at the mess, the brokenness, the trouble, the darkness, the pain, and yet speak extraordinary words of hope. Um, it might be just at this, at this moment, um, a very brief word about the structure of Isaiah might help. This is a very brief word. Um, we'll talk more about this later. Um, but just as a, a little overview of the book, um, the first part of the book of Isaiah, chapter 1 to 39, is written to the people of Judah and Jerusalem before the exile. Um, and that's a time when they are kind of surrounded by enemies and threatened by enemies. And the enemies change a little bit, but that's the basic context. They're feeling threatened. They're feeling surrounded. Um, and that's where they are. Um, in the middle part of the book, chapter 56, or chapter 40 to 55, um, that part is written to the people in exile in Babylon. So the, the, the kind of viewpoint of the book shifts. Now, the worst thing the people can imagine has happened. It's kind of the sky has fallen down. Disaster has happened. Calamity has happened. And they are away from their homeland. They're in exile. Jerusalem has been uh, leveled and broken to the ground. The temple has been destroyed. So it, they're living through a time of disaster. And then in the final part of the book, in chapter 56 to 66, the view is it's addressed to the people after exile as they're thinking about how on earth do we begin to rebuild our ruined homeland and the ruined temple and all the rest, right? So that's kind of, it may be helpful as you read Isaiah just to have that kind of framework in mind. But the reason I want to flag it up now in talking about prophetic hope is you can see immediately all three parts are written to people who are in difficult circumstances, right? Surrounded by enemies, living through disaster, trying to rebuild a ruined land. Um, maybe in some ways we could say, if your life right now is pretty sorted and okay and together, Isaiah may not have much to say to you, <laughs> right? But if in any way you can relate to those three contexts, if you feel in any way threatened by enemies, if you feel in any way that you have lived through a time of trouble, disaster, calamity, um, trouble of some kind, if you're living in a time when you're looking at things that are damaged and broken and wondering how they can be rebuilt, then this book is for you. And the beautiful words, the inspiring words, the hope-filled words that Isaiah speaks are for you. It's a book written for people walking through trouble, walking through deep water, walking through darkness, walking through um, ruins and calamity. Um, so prophetic hope, 
Uh, maybe for me, one of the, the great examples in modern times um, uh, of kind of embodying this prophetic hope was Martin Luther King um, and the, the role that he played in standing against um, racism and injustice and violence in America. Um, and you, you can tell really clearly when you look at Martin Luther King and his story, he was not a naive optimist. He was really aware of really, really deep problems, and he named them the violence, the injustice, the darkness that was around him. So he wasn't a naive optimist, but he was also not a despairing or cynical pessimist. Why was he able to embody something different? Because his mind was saturated in the vision of the Old Testament prophets. And if you go and read the famous speeches by Martin Luther King, you can hear the language of the prophets, including Isaiah, all through those speeches. That's why he was able to say, I have been to the mountaintop. So he, he's looking at the trouble and the heartache and the, uh, the, the violence and, the, and the, the, the brokenness all around him. And yet he has this prophetic vision. I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen a different perspective. I have a dream. The dream was implanted in him by the prophets. And that prophetic hope allowed him to act courageously in his time and to oppose injustice and even to love his enemies. Um, maybe one way we can put it, I think I've probably said this before, uh, but I find this maybe a helpful summary. The optimist says the glass is half full. The pessimist says the glass is half empty. The prophet often says the glass is broken beyond possibility of repair. And yet, I see streams of living water flowing in the desert. Do you see how that's something different? He's looking to God for some, to do the impossible. He's, it's a, it's a, a different vision that's given to him uh, by God. Or maybe to, to change the metaphor, the optimist might say the patient is doing okay. The pessimist says the patient, the patient is really quite sick. The prophet says, the patient is dead, but I believe in a God who can raise the dead. It's the hope of new creation. It's the hope of resurrection. Um, and so I guess I've been just trying to persuade you as we begin this journey. Isaiah is written for people who are walking through trouble, who are walking through deep water, and maybe at times feeling overwhelmed. Um, and I wonder, is that you this morning? Um, I want to encourage you as we end um, just to take a moment uh, even right now to think about the things that trouble your heart as you're going into 2022 what are the things that are troubling your heart and it might be things in your own life or in your family or in your neighborhood or in our town or in our wider world in our culture what are the things that trouble you uh, that cause you worry, that agitate your spirit? What are the things that trouble you this morning? I want to encourage you um, that Isaiah doesn't offer escapism from those things. We're not going to think about Isaiah to sort of forget about those things for a while. Isaiah speaks to us in the midst of trouble, but he lifts up our eyes to the mountains. He gives us vision so we won't be overwhelmed. And not only so we won't be overwhelmed, but so we can be people of resilient hope in the midst of where we are. 
And so we can be those carriers of good news in a time of trouble. And again, finishing where we began, so your neighbours will see you coming and their heart will lift because they know that you're bringing something different. You're bringing good news of great joy. Um, So as I finish, I'm going to pray in a second. Um, But just want to encourage you, I'm just going to read um, a few verses that come after the phrase we read at the beginning. This is where I want to end. Um, But I want to encourage you, this is from the middle of Isaiah, which is the bit where they were living through what felt like the end of the world. They're living through calamity and disaster. right? So these words weren't written to people who were finding life easy. So I want to encourage you, think about all the trouble that is in our world and the trouble that is in your heart. And then hear these words. These are the words of the prophet. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, who say to God's people, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Let's pray together. Then we're going to sing. Father, I want to pray for each of us here this morning. Um, But again, maybe especially for those who are feeling downhearted this morning who are feeling really troubled, who are feeling overwhelmed. And maybe whose heads have gone down. I want to pray, would you, by your spirit, enable us this morning to lift our heads and look to the mountain and see the messenger who's bringing good news. Father, I want to pray as we begin this journey in the book of Isaiah that you would feed our hearts with real hope. And we know know that we don't need naive optimism. We don't need um, someone to tell us just to pull ourselves together and look on the bright side. We need something deeper than that. And I want to pray that through the prophet, through your word, you would feed our hearts with real hope as we go into this year. And I want to be bolder than that too, Lord. I want to pray, not only would you lift up our hearts and give us hope, but would you enable us to carry that hope to our friends and neighbours and colleagues? Lord, fill us with this good news. Fill us with this hope. So that as we walk about our lives and as we live our lives in the world, we would embody something different 
that when people see us coming, they would know that we are carrying something that is entirely different to the news of our world. Father, enable us to be those people um, who bring good news, who carry this song of hope to those around us. Um, Come, Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit, make us people of hope in the middle of whatever trouble is going on in our world. And we pray in the name of Jesus.